HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Greetings from Roberta's and the Heritage Radio Network station here in uh, beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn. Judy McGuire is out on assignment this week again. And I always say out on assignment, which is, of course, complete bullshit. She's uh, out getting loaded. But when I used to watch 60 Minutes, and does anybody even watch 60 Minutes anymore? Yeah. Is it even relevant anymore, 60 Minutes? Um, but I figured they'd say, oh, Leslie Stahl's you know, out on assignment. I just figured she was too fucked up to make it to work that week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Judy's not here. Um, I'm flying solo. And our guest today, uh, we're going to have a real TV party today. This is like... Um, this is good. We're going to get a little drunk. We're going to talk about everybody's favorite diversion. Don't even pretend you people read books. We're talking about television today, the boob tube. I'm here with Kira Bolnick, executive director at Day Magazine, and uh, she has written about television and many, many other things for New York Magazine, and you can find her at Vulture.com. And today, in the New York Times Book Review, reading uh, reviewing, uh, Sheila uh, Weller's new book, uh, The News Sorority, about uh, women in the, in the news business. And your review is fantastic. Hi, Kira. Oh, thank How are you? you. Hi, I'm good. How are you? This is good. I'm so glad uh, you're here today. This is, we're, yeah, like, me too. we're like new friends. We met on Facebook. We're like yeah. a real Facebook success story, you and yes. I. <laughs> it's true, a platonic love story. <laughs> uh, well, your review was great. And um, since it's happening, it's now and it's today. And the New York Times Book Review, that's a pretty fucking major league venue. I know. I was really excited. I was excited to read it. Yeah. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how you found yourself um, review, reviewing uh, this book? Um, you know, they just cold called me. I was so... Really? Yeah, I have. A, I used to review books for a living, um, like two or three a week. And I was on the NBCC board in the early aughts. And then after a while, I just sort of hit the wall um, and started reviewing television because I just had to come... You know, 
I not I didn't have a come to Jesus moment because I'm Jewish, <laughs> but uh, I just had to be honest with myself that that's what I did a lot. <laughs> I you know I think it's it's great because I know you as a TV writer and a TV aficionado, and now you're reviewing books, and I'm like, fuck, it's like, well, it's I like now, and I have to confront this great intellect, and I had already pigeonholed you as someone who watches TV. No, I do, <laughs> and, well, and then for ten years, I I, I interviewed writers for uh, Book Forum. Um, Ooh la la. Oh, it's, pretty, it's pretty, pretty rarefied air too, Book Forum. Yeah, no, I I love Book Forum, and then I, uh, you know, I just took took a breather, and um, so the Times came to me and asked me to review this book, and I was so happy because I really, you know, I love books. I I wanted to get back into it. This was a sort of perfect bridge because it was TV. It was a book about television, so it, it seemed uh, the perfect and a book about a uh, strong. Women, yeah, in television, yeah. and just reading the review, I can imagine like how rough it must have been for the principals of that book. And what a, I mean, it's such an old boys' network. Well, this certainly underlined that fact. Um, I mean, you know, and, and Sheila Weller makes this really great point that um, they would they would fabricate these. Well, it would not maybe not always fabricate um, these, but they certainly brought a lot of attention to cat fights among. The women, when they were going on between them, you know, among the men, like Dan Rather was. I, I get that he is probably a prick and a backstabbing. Oh, they all mo- are. Peter Jennings. Peter was Jennings, really... too. But he's Canadian. He should be some. Canadians are nice people. Well, I think it's just the, the way the end industry is set up, you kind of have to be an asshole. Yeah. I, um, but but, Brian, Brian Williams seems like a nice guy. Of course, this isn't really about yes. that era. He's. They just. I did not get the impression that he was such an asshole. He slow jams the news. He slow jams the news, <laughs> exactly. Um, and he's really charming. Yeah, he is. He is. I, I mean, you know, anyone who can make fun of themselves. I don't think that these other guys made fun of themselves all that much. Dan Rather seemed always seemed like a completely humorless dude. Yeah, but you never, you know, until recently, you never heard about those stories um, the way you heard about Katie Couric. Like, Katie... Uh, Certainly was in the in the tabs all the time, constantly. Um, but you know, the person who has the most com- compelling narrative, I think, um, in this in this book, is Diane Sawyer. She's a really fascinating individual. More so than Christina Amanpour. Christina Amanpour mm. actually was the most surprising individual because her life. Uh, is very different from the person that you see on on this on on. The she front seems lines. to always when I see her on TV has a lot of gravitas. Like yes. I, like if it's coming from her, I seem to trust it. I mean, it has to do a little bit of her backstory yeah. and who she is. But you know, I hate to say it, unlike almost every other you know woman I see on TV, she is obviously not there for her looks. I mean, she is just doesn't well, look like was, a typical American, really you know, blue eyed TV presenter. I mean, well, she's just not a... cut from that cloth and. You know whether that, that's that, why that, it was hard for her to get in front of the camera in the first place. You mean hard for her because people just because expect- she looks like Mick Jagger, <laughs> <laughs> which I love about her. But you know the thing that's so important about her is that she got cov- she got people's attention on wars that Americans weren't paying attention to, like Kosovo mm-hmm. and um, Rwanda. She and she's bold i mean she was on the front lines and but interestingly um was not a strong academic or, or and went to she actually went to university of rhode island but was so um sort of a social climber and uh hung out exclusively with her brown friends and specifically her best friend was john f kennedy jr 
and those were the people she she hung wow. with and was very socially conscious and also um, another thing that she Luella brought up was that she uh, was kind of an embellisher she um, she liked to tell these little stories about herself and the self-mythologizing. Well, why, why, you know, as a news person, as a journalist myself, I would never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you would never expect this of her because she also um, has done so much for um, women and children in need in, by using her, her journalism as uh, such an important tool. I mean, she's she's incredible at it. She's not a good anchor person. She's not really good at... Uh, she's not a great, I should say, interviewer, the way that Katie Couric mm-hmm. and Diane Sawyer... Well, are. Katie's famous for her interviews. Diane Sawyer yeah. as well. You, they're, they're very talented at it, and that really comes out in this book, the way that they can draw a person out, whether they are a grieving mother or a celebrity or a major world leader. And that's that was really interesting, I thought, in this book. I remember, uh, I don't watch the evening news. I don't know anybody who actually watched the network evening Well, not anymore. anymore. Although I'm always surprised when I go over someone's house, like, oh, let's watch the news at 6 o'clock. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that's... That's I mean, our parents' generation. That, that's our parents' generation. And before it was the 6 o'clock news. Um, so I'm always surprised. And I guess Kenny Cork became the anchor woman of... Uh, CBS News? Yeah, a bit later, which, yeah. Which quickly tanked, but I always, I mean, I always associated it with like daytime television and the magazine format. Well, it's the news magazine that's really interesting because right. that's where the big stories are. Which is where we started. I mean, does anybody even watch 60 Minutes anymore? I mean, it turned yeah. into like kind of an entertainment vehicle. I mean, over when, we, when I was a kid, 60 Minutes was like, wow, this is, it was like the ultimate middle brow. TV show because yeah. middle brow in this case meaning it made people feel smarter than they actually are. Yeah. Kind of like listening to Frank Zappa. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you <know>? exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and, oh, look, I'm watching 60 Minutes, therefore I'm smart. It's kind of like reading a book. You know, yeah. Look, it's Mike Walls. He's so serious. And, yeah. You know, and, yeah um, but then I sort of like turned into like being doing celebrity profiles more and more. And well, it's all turned into that on television. CBS News Division. Well, this is where we started, talking about uh, news and women on news. Um, but let's uh, talk about our favorite TV shows. We have a lot of catching up to yes, do. Yes, yes, yes. You and me. Okay, I power watched Transparent. Do you say power watch or do you say binge watch? I <laughs> don't tend to say binge watch, but I guess that's an accurate statement. I just power through. I, yeah, yeah. It's not that I power. It's just that, it. you know, I remember when Portlandia did a... Um, a, a, a segment on this couple who they started with Battlestar Galactica. They were only going to watch one, and then it turned into three, and then it's next thing you know, their, their electricity's turned off, and that was so true. Um, but that was back with the DVDs. But that's the way we watch TV now. Yeah, and I, I'm guilty. I mean, I, I see. See, if you say binge watch, it makes me sound like I have an eating disorder. Yeah. When I say power watch, it's like I am awesome for yeah. doing this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's you know the way that television is structured now, and I know everyone talks about this. Is you know they're 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 very narrative. And they're also, soap operas. The soap operas caught non. Well, they're like like novels. Thinking people. Yeah, I mean they're 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 like they're they're like novels, and they're like a delicious book. And you just like from The Sopranos on, and you just want to, you know, I'm just going to read one more chapter. I'm just going to read one more chapter, and the next thing you know, you've been up all night reading a book. Well, that's how t- you know a lot of frustrated novelists or, or not frustrated novelists went out to L.A. and started writing these stories, and you don't, you know, they're not ready to say goodbye to a character. You know, so they're continuous. Um, okay. <laughs> it makes, so in other words, it makes us feel smart, actually, yes. like a book. You see, I, I never but think But they are really well-drawn characters. No, they're well-drawn characters. No, it's been well 
said, well, talked about, anyway, that we are in some sort of, you know, age d'or of television. Yeah. Um, maybe starting with The Sopranos mm-hmm. and this sort of, like, continuity narrative-based stuff. It's not, you know, it's not Dallas. It's not Dynasty. These no. sort of adult soap operas. I mean, it's something... You know, that's got some depth to it, literary character and well-drawn characters. And I, I yeah. love The Sopranos. And... Yeah, I mean, I actually watched it again about two years ago, and it really... Are you from New Jersey? I went to school in New I, I Jersey. Knew you, I knew you went to Rutgers. Yes, I saw that on but your... I'm actually from Chicago. No, but you're from Chicago. Yes. Yeah. The Sopranos, that's that's the real dirty jurors. Yeah, that is. That's the two old It actually one. took me two episodes to kind of be able to understand... Uh, Gandolfini, <laughs> you know, to understand Tony, uh, get into his dialect. Yeah, the Jersey, the Jersey mob. Yeah. Of course, being in Chicago, you're not. No. I have Chicago mob. <laughs> I know. I, I went to school with a lot of Chicago mob kids. <laughs> I did. They, they they retired to my suburb, or they wanted to send their kids to the school I I went to. So I, I I'm I'm honestly I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I went to school with a lot of those kids. I I knew actually I used to run with some uh, of the Jersey Bob in Jersey City. Uh, we knew some of these people that used to hang out at the My Way Lounge. Ah, yeah, and Harry the Hat and uh, Bobby Hairdo. Well, Tony, <laughs> okay. let me tell you something. Like I was a Goodfellas. The remarkable thing about Goodfellas is it's fucking true. It's so accurate. Like, yeah. I knew these people, and this is the way these people are. It really is an unbelievable portrait. And I think The Sopranos, you know, follow suit. It's incredible. I mean, I know those people in New Jersey. Yeah. Well, Tony That's Accardo. That's why it's true. And it's yeah. funny. The, the, the head of the Chicago mob, Tony Accardo, the godfather, he moved to River Forest, Illinois, where I grew up. And uh, I don't know why he moved there, but he did. He built... Uh, a fortress, uh, about four blocks from my parents' house. <laughs> a fortress? Yes. It, it, it was windowless in the front. Oh, man. And had awesome. a, a, there were all these rumors about it that t- turned out to be true, that there was like a, a bowling alley and a swimming pool in the basement. And his, his uh, grandson, Eric Kumaro, um, was actually a Miami Dolphin, but he was like the star of our high school, you know, team and all that stuff and uh so yeah he these you know the, we went to school with these people and and so all of his close associates if you will they all went to you know we, we grew up with these guys and in fact i just saw one of them uh the the his successor just got arrested finally Finally. Yeah. Um, speaking of the mob, trying to make a segue <laughs> from the mob, um, if you're watching Boardwalk Empire, what are the shows? And it's great. We totally have power watching now that all the HBO stuff was on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I gave up my cable TV. I unplugged. Yeah, a you lot s- of people have been doing that. You know, and, uh, and you know, you're talking about Portlandia. I watched it on a handheld device. I watched yeah. it on my iPhone. I mean, okay, I have the same weird thrill of, like, watching TV on my iPhone in bed. It was like when I was a kid and I used to read a comic book with a flashlight yeah. under the sheets. To me, it's sort of like the same, kind of like I'm getting away with something, Yeah, you know, kind of thing. Um, I watched Portland entirely on my iPhone. Oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> but I could, you could just watch, like, sketches, you know, just, like... Well, you know, it doesn't have to be big. I mean, and I'm a guy who loves to go to the movies. Yeah. And I love big movies. I, I love, I mean, I wish the, the Transformers were actually good, but that's what I want to see. I want to see, show me what $50 million looks like. Yeah. Blow good. my fucking mind. You know, I saw Gravity in 3D several times. Yeah. You know, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, just blow my mind. I want to yeah. see a giant movie on the biggest screen possible. Yeah. I love to go to the Ziegfeld. I like just, just awesome. I want it loud. You know, I, I like to get stoned and see Star Wars. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, like when I was, when I was 14, which is, it's like, oh, you know, and I went to the NYU film school, but for me, it was never about film school. It was about movie school. Yeah. But now we're watching TV and I'm watching it on a three inch screen. I yeah. never thought, 
I, I get there. Um, and someone suggested to me that because everybody's watching stuff and watching it so quickly, and everybody's watching it on their portable devices and in computer screens, that production values are don't need to be as flashy as they once were on TV. Of course, I also have a 50-inch TV screen in my yeah. house. And yet there I am watching it's nice you have phone. options. Um, but it's nice. I mean, like, we're talking about Orange is the New Black, which I watched a combination of on TV and on uh, maybe on my iPad. Yeah. Um, but I'm not looking at it because it's pretty. Yeah. I'm looking at it because it's compelling. Yeah. It's, again, it great does. storytelling. Um, and great acting. And uh, it, it was good. Did you, did you watch? I watched the second season pretty much in one continuous wave. Yeah. How do you think it held up? The first season. I thought it was great. Lorraine Toussaint was the most terrifying and interesting um, villain I've seen in a long time. She was so compelling. That actress who, was... Who did she play again? She played V. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very seductive. Um, every time you started to hate her, she did something that like kind of brought you back in. And the backstory, too, that they were showing, which this season... Well, you didn't showed know. everybody's backstory. Yeah. So you could empathize with well, a little bit more. Yeah, and the thing about her character was you didn't realize how much you needed, how much you hated her until you the second to last episode when you found out what a horrible, like the depths of the of her horribleness. Um, when you found, I mean, is it okay to spoil something at this point? Can we assume that everyone has seen yeah, it? Yeah, spoil, you know? spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, I hate when people get mad and like, hey, I didn't see last season. Well. Sorry. Yeah, at this know. point we're talking let, about let, let's, it. Let, let's get on board here. When you find out what she did to, uh, to, to, um, it's not Tasty's brother, but like the, 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 you know, she basically fostered Tasty and this, mm-hmm. this young man and how she set up his, his death, like how she, but she's just quick to betray anybody, you yeah. know, um, the way she turned on this kid when she found out that he was starting his own business and was in, you know, was colluding with this cop. I mean, it was just the the most despicable thing I've ever seen. And then you're like, wow. That the, I mean, that that was one of the more evil things. Like I would I would sooner hang out with Hannibal than. Are <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of Hannibal, my my favorite show. And I'll tell you, unlike Orange Is the New Black and Portlandia, we talked about. I mean, I, I was watching Hannibal. Um, on a week-to-week basis. I cannot wait for the next episode. And I think because of that, I have more retention of the whole storyline and the mm-hmm. details because I didn't watch the whole season in one, you know... You can't. Good once. Oh. And, and, <laughs> no, can't. But, but, but Hannibal is the most beautifully produced. It is so gorgeous. The colors are amazing. The whole thing just looks so beautiful. I mean, it's eye candy, aside from just that it's just like so deliciously gory. And, you know, coming into it, you know who Hannibal is. You know what he's up to. I can't believe that's on network television. And the way they, they cherry-picked uh, from the Hannibal legacy. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Silence of the Lambs. Fewer people know um, Thomas Harris's yeah. other books. Yeah. Uh, the Red Dragon, which is an unbelievably good book, by the way. Or like yeah. a re- really, really good pulp thriller. Um, and then his later books, which are, I th- like, uh, I think it's just called Hannibal, I think was the. Th- yeah. Book. It's just not a good book. And the movie Hannibal. No. Oh, that mo- is it was a terrible good. movie. It's terrible. I still, I still saw it. I thought that was a Ridley Scott movie, right? It's, boy, talk about a guy who's done some of the great movies of all time and then yeah. comes out with a sort of trek. I still, I was still compelled by it, but I, yeah, it really wasn't, it really wasn't good. Silence of the Lambs is one of my favorite Stands up. movies. And you know, I remember when it came out, um, I saw it a little late. Uh, I was in college at the time, and it, I think the Jeffrey Dahmer story broke around that time, so you could not suspend mm-hmm. disbelief. 
you couldn't like because this it's something very similar was happening in the news. It's creepy. It's really good. One thing though about Hannibal, I just want to say, so they're not picking it up again. We've watched two seasons. And it's not starting again until after the new year. Yeah, that's a long is... time between seasons. And I know in some of the HBO shows they did that. But that's an awful lot to ask of me. Yeah. I mean, as, as a viewer. I mean, yeah. I mean seriously. Yeah. I mean, really? You're going to like leave me cold They did that, that last long time. Yep. And, ask, and ask me to... Yeah, they did. Well, but they're I mean, treating it like, the, you know, like an, a, you know, an AMC show or uh, A&E show, I should say. Uh, you know, it's like... And they do it in 13 episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I picked. I mean, I've been watching Sons of Anarchy. I feel a bit duped by the whole thing yeah. because I can't believe I'm still watching it. It's just. I like I, to call it Sons of Menarchy. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's compelling, but I don't, I'm at this point I'm not even sure why I'm watching it. Except I feel like I've started it, and yeah. now I have to finish. There's Kate, certain shows Kate that Seagal you have to write is fantastic on yeah. it, but um, I don't know. I just feel like I'm going in a circle with the, with this whole thing. Um, but Hannibal really, really is special. It is. It, you know, the first season I felt like I could. Like the violence, like you know, um, was sort of the the backdrop, and what I was really watching was a psychological thriller. So you know that that, that the the violence was, um, I you know like it was a procedural, but it really wasn't. That you were really watching this this head game between. And it's developed wonderfully, the sort of like the tate tate the cat and mouse yeah. thing. This, this, this bromance yeah. <laughs> between Will, Will and Hannibal, yeah. um, which left us last season with Will you know, trying to hold his intestines in while he was bleeding on the floor. Yeah, it was getting a little hard. I have to say, I was... Have you been in that romance before? Uh, <laughs> it felt like that. It's pretty it hot. It's hot like and that. heavy. Yeah. I, I, have, I have felt... You know, metaphorically that way before, but but I haven't gone that far, obviously, because I, as you see, I still have my intestines. Speaking speak, speaking of horror, um, our favorite show, what we bonded over, American Horror Story. Oh my god! This is like, I, I mean, the first season was good. I was really, really yeah, digging yeah, it. Yeah. And by the way, in retrospect, I went back and I watched it again. It was actually better than I remembered it yeah. to be. Um, it's a little creepier and groovier than I. You know, it's classic haunted house yeah. story. But this, uh, what could Asylum possibly prepare you for the second season? I mean, that okay. finale I watched twice because it was so spectacular. I, I, I mean, I was weeping. Sadistic it, nuns in an insane asylum. Okay, I'm already on board. But let's throw in a little demonic possession and a UFO abduction plot. Oh, and a Nazi. And, and, and um, escaped Nazi doctor. And taking the it's Catholic really... Church and ripping it to shreds. I mean, it had everything I loved. In I, it. I know people that wouldn't watch it because they said I was brought up Catholic and this is too fucking much for me. The Jessica Lange character is like, I can't deal with it. Oh, oh, and, and, and um, the priest. Oh, man. Oh, I... man. And the priest. And I, I love James, Cro- James Cromwell, right? Yeah. The, the Nazi doctor. The and Mangala doctor, And, and of yeah. course, all the women are absolutely amazing. It's all about the women. and It's all about the women. And it, well, it has, it has been, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, um, Asylum was about, and, and Coven was about the women too. Yeah. It's all about the women. And yeah. I guess what are we thinking? So we watched the first episode. I'm so glad that um, Kathy Bates is back, and then yeah. obviously Jessica Lange. She's just it's her show. Oh, and the, you know, and doing this this welcome anachronism of having her as like this sort of Marlena Dietrich mm-hmm. singing. You know, so the life on Mars, life the day, on Mars, which, doing this glam rock thing. Well, she sang. Let's not forget she sang the name game in in, in yeah, Coven, which yeah. was also an actor. It. Yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it was you know this wonderful delusion. But this was like when she came out, and I hear that opening. You know, the opening. But, of, by like, the way, so after um, I guess you posted on Facebook, Barbara Streisand 
singing Life on Mars. Yeah, that which, was... Which is like, okay. Uh, I'm I, not a big Barbra Streisand fan. No. I want to like her. She's a nice Jewish girl from Brooklyn. You know, I, I just have a feeling that if we were hanging out together... Oh, no, I would never want to meet I, her. I don't think I would like her at all. No, she doesn't she's sound like a nice person. No, she's not. No, I would never I read, I read, I think, on The Smoking Gun, her... Uh, her rider for her contract, you know, for her performance yeah. contract rider. And um, all the toilets in her backstage area must be filled with Avion water oh. and covered with rose petals. What? she flatulent or something? I, 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 don't know, she, I don't know. She can't poop into anything that's not purified water covered in rose petals. Uh, she's horrible. She's like not a, <laughs> she's not a good person, but she, her voice is unparalleled. Well, she's a perfectionist, and that's yeah. sort of her whole thing with singing. And I've enjoyed I liked What's Up, Doc. And, uh, I have loved many... I have loved... Many things that she has done, and I have loved. I mean, nobody sings Bert <laughs> like. I mean, there are certain songs that she owns. She just owns the record that um, Life on Mars is. I think it's called Butterfly. Yeah, and it was produced by was John a, Peters, which yeah. is I looked it up. I and like, there's a, a fly in a in a stick of butter. It's unfucking believable. It's like the <laughs> worst fucking concept of all. It's the time. worst. It's the worst. And um, she was married to John Peters at the time. He produced this record, and. Um, she covers like a couple of rock and roll songs. It's a weird, bizarre record. She says it's yeah. the worst record she's ever made. She's been oh, it's awful. Yet. And then, you know, I think it's on her album, Barbara Jones Streisand, um, where she covers Mother by John Lennon. Oh, man. And it's just Ro- psycho. Oh, oh, man. Okay, I'm going to look that up. You Mother have by, to. It's psycho. Barbara Streisand. Uh, back to American Horror Story, though. So we've got a two headed woman. Which is Sarah Paulson again, just she's like, like, just fucking nails it. Yeah, she's. Can I say that on Yeah, absolutely. Just yeah. nails it. <laughs> no, uh, fucking. <laughs> oh, on this show? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's she, not only tolerated, it's encouraged. Yeah, Gareth. I mean, and she's apparently singing a duet in the next episode. With herself? With herself. This, this is great. Not the Tatler si- Not since Rosie Greer, yeah. the incredible two headed transplanter. Uh, um, a yeah. two headed thing is really amazing. And we're. And she's flirting with, like, lobster. OMG. Okay, that was like you're getting the rare <laughs> OMG, like a, a genuine awe yeah. when I saw lobster hand, like you know, B- you know, yeah, digitally manipulating, manipulating many these, sexually I mean, frustrated women. Fucking, let's just yeah. say you know, finger banging with, with, with yeah. finger banging with the ultimate like, I, I was, you know, I'm gonna have to go watch, go watch that again and learn some technique or I have know. my hands. I mean, Lobster Boy was all set, and I, I love, hope he's washing his hands between. They were just lined up. I mean, I all, just... all the housewives of Eastwick were just lined up. Yes, I was looking over at Meredith, my wife, and we were like. Wow, they have to have a like a latex sec- well, American know, sec- Horror Story. That's why I love that because like, wow, you're really gonna go there. Yeah. You know, like there's no place they won't. You're go. really gonna go there. You know, or you're really gonna like with with the Nazi doctor and like chopping off the legs or or, or whatever it is. Or it, it, it's crazy. Hannibal too. Like yeah. every time there was you know this like unbelievably grisly murder and you know this. You know the, the way it was displayed. I mean, so gorgeous and beautiful. It's like so painterly, but like really hectic. It's like wow. I mean, there's always like a one holy yeah. shit moment on Hannibal, like there is on American yeah. Horror Stories. All like whoa. Well, really? I, how about like the intro, like when Jessica Lange's character first meets uh, the Tatler twins, and and she's asking her right away like about their sex life. Had they you know have they uh, had sex before and 
um, do they masturbate and like one head is like don't say anything and the other head is like she well, simply enjoys you, it <laughs> yeah exactly like well there's a nice like you know entree and <laughs> and I understand next week we're getting a three boobed woman yes a hermaphrodite with three breasts so we've got two heads and we've got three breasts and you know and it's Angela Bassett. I always like to say, if I had five penises, my pants would fit like a glove. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's hard to segue that joke, yeah. Harris. I got to use but, it. Uh, well, yeah, every chance I got. we got the math. Unbelievable. Um, before we got this, and we've flown by. We haven't even taken a break. This has been, it's always the, the fastest half hour on the internet. But, man, we are flying today. I wanted to talk for one second about blackish um, yes. a, a little bit. Uh, um, you're more blackish than I. You, you live in a uh, mixed race household. I am Jewish and barely clinging to it. Yes. And um, I am also Jewish. <laughs> uh, but I, I empathize with the character. I mean, I, I oh, like I this. totally do. I, I, I actually really, I think it's a good show. I wish the casting. Uh, it, I, I wish I found the actors a little more appealing. But I think that the concept is great, and I think the writing is really good. Well, it's weird because they do feel. I mean. They feel more like a white family than the fucking Cosbys. I mean, that, I mean, that show was a real turnoff. You know, the sweater wearing uh, Dr. Uh, um, what was it? Uh, Dr. Huxtable. Dr. Chicago, Huxtables, Chicago, yes. right? Um, I mean, I don't Bill Cosby, since he's stopped doing like, like the 60s stand-up, mm-hmm. always seemed kind of smarmy to me. Kind of a little too impressed by himself overall. And um, boy, oh boy. And a moralizer. And a moralizer. Um, Which in 30 Rock... Um, they made a big joke. Tracy Morgan made a big joke about where he had uh, he was sort of policing other black comics about uh, that's right. Their working blue when he came down yeah. to Richard Pryor. What did Richard Pryor yeah. say? Tell that motherfucker to shot. <laughs> yeah, something like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I really don't need Bill Cosby being my dad. Yeah, and I loved. We when I was a kid, when I first discovered pot, we discovered uh, my friend Eric's dad had a George Carlin record and a Bill Cosby record in there with the Bob Dylan and you know and, and the Stones and all this other stuff that was like kind of like you know wow to us because we we're fourteen and just discovered smoking pot. And I love Bill Cosby telling stories about like growing up in Philadelphia and playing buck buck and yeah. you know, he was just a great storyteller and I learned a lot of uh, riffs from him. But he became. Um, I don't know, yeah. Like you said, being a cop. I don't like cops. I just no, hate when anyone polices anybody. Anyway. Like, you know, there's a lot of peace. Like, I feel like the the PC era has has reared its head once again for the first time since the late 80s. You know, I don't want to say that. We're running out of time, but um, I'm going to break a rule and go in a couple extra minutes uh, with you. Um, I was, you know, I watched Louis C.K. in his stand-up act. Uh-huh. He's talking about like jerking off on a playground. Yeah. He's talking about all this dark shit that's in his head. And but I you know, love him. But, I and love the that PC man. Police are out there. I think, well, of course, we all think he's brilliant and his show is great. But a lot of people, I guess, haven't really been paying enough attention to seeing like he's talking about fucking kids and this crazy shit, and he's getting away with it. And yet, the conversation lately has been: Can you make a rape joke? Can you, is anything all out of bounds? I mean, what can can you talk about it? And he shows you that you can. I was, I mean, I was. My mentors like Al Goldstein and guys like Larry Flint who taught me that you could do anything as long as it was funny. Yeah. And well, Joan Rivers said that. Uh, I love Joan Rivers so much. Me too. I, I would have fucked her last week. I mean, I always well, had it. Well, you know, Louis C.K. had a whole I, thing about him. I loved And I loved her for doing that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had a whole thing where he's like hits on her. After she gave oh, him she all drags, this really she, important and, advice. And, and she drags him into the bedroom. She's like, oh, come on, go for it. Yeah. He's like, like well, uh, mm, uh, and he goes for it. Yeah. God bless them both. Yeah. Well, she's to be missed. And um, before, we're, um, again, we're running out of time. We didn't even get to transparent. We didn't even get to transparent. Well, you're going to have to come back. We're going to have to talk more Yeah, to we me. have to talk about transparent. I mean, I've got this whole list of things. I want. Because I, mean, I freaking love that show. I, I, I love it, too. And I really, um, there's, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. That is the more Jewish show. Yeah. That's the most Jewish show I've seen, actually. Ever. Yeah, ever. The most genuinely Jewish show. Like, for, for reals. 
Aussies. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not just about it's about transitions of every kind, not just Mort Mora, but everybody's having a midlife in that show. That's and, that's what you're saying. It's yeah. like really, it's like everybody is um, in crisis before he even tells them that he is a she. Um, they're all in their own, you know, they're all stewing. <laughs> they're yeah. all in it. It's sort of, uh, um, yeah, sort of like, like the corrections all grown up. Exactly. Anyway, we truly are out of time. It is the fastest half hour. It is. Today. I promised you it was going to be. The pizza's going to be here any second. Um, but you're going to come back. We're going to talk some more. Yes, right? I hope so. This was I would all, love that. This, this was awesome. Kara, so awesome. good to see you. Where can you everybody, too. Where can everybody find you? And uh, read today's New York Times book review to see your uh, review of uh, Sheila Weller's um, The News Sorority. Yes, and on DameMagazine.com. DameMagazine.com. Well. Where I'm the executive editor. Just. The executive editor. Yes. Okay. All righty. All right. The executive editor. Yes. Of Dame Magazine. Yes. At DameMagazine.com. That's the one. Okay. For Kira and uh, V in the booth, Judy McGuire is still out on assignment. Judy, come back. This is Mike Edison. We'll see you guys next week going out with Black Flag TV party tonight. See ya. Thank you for having me. <laughs> listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.